Thanks for downloading this podcast from The Rock of York. We hope it inspires you. If you have any questions or comments, we'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us on Twitter, at The Rock of York, or search for The Rock of York on Facebook. And of course, there's the website at www.rockofyork.co.uk. But you probably already knew that. Here's something you might not know. Let's make a start. There we go. We've given six minutes grace tonight. <laughs> Don't expect that every week. Okay, let's just pray and we'll get, um, we'll get into this. Father, you know that um, just as Jesus prayed, all we want to do is to do your will and to see your kingdom come and your will be done here on earth like it is in heaven. So help us to grasp whatever it is that your heart is seeking to convey to our hearts so that in our weakness we can operate in your strength and your power to bring about what you desire in Jesus name amen all right so this will be um this will obviously be recorded and broadcast so for those who join in because I know some couldn't be here um welcome and uh those of you watch this later uh I hope it helps you so let me, let me run you through a, a story. A few weeks ago, I was on a, um, on a tram, tram train in uh, Salt Lake City, um, heading out to a, um, heading from a place called Murray, which is important in the, the bigger story, back into Salt Lake City. And um, as I was on the train, I... Um, Something came into my mind. It was like it was like I was no longer sat on that train heading from Murray to Salt Lake City. It's like I was I was sat on a train um, 32 years ago, just as clear as day, heading from Fuengirola to Malaga in Spain. So I'm I'm suddenly, as I'm looking out the window, I'm no longer consciously, super consciously aware of this journey from Murray to Salt Lake City, I'm suddenly, I'm on this journey. I'm like, I'm there. It's like, it's like no time has ever passed in those 32 years. And um, what came into my mind was something that I had all but forgotten. I mean, I, I, I had forgotten that this happened. I, there was nothing to trigger this other than the fact that I'm on this train and now I have a, I have a connection in memory and history, and um, uh, that day on the train, we were headed for for Malaga for a, a particular reason, and, and the reason was this. Um, I can't remember whether it was the night, probably a couple of, was it the night before or a couple of nights before this? Um, I had had a very vivid dream, and in the dream, I, I saw a, a dark-haired man, and... Um, uh, he was he was preaching and he was paralysed all down the left side of his face, just like you would have if somebody had had a very bad stroke. So the the mouth was down, uh, and he was carrying on, but it was just he was he was severely paralysed down the one side of the face, the eye open, everything. And uh, as he was preaching, the only words I can remember hearing was um, was um, uh, was that they that Paul came to an altar which, which the inscription on the altar was an altar to the unknown God. And I saw and heard this 
crystal clear. And all of a sudden on this train, I'm, I'm back there 32 years ago. And um, back then, 32 years before, we had elected to find a church on the Sunday morning that we were on holiday there with, with Joel as a, just as a small boy and Maggie and Lucy were with us. And uh, we found a fellowship meeting in a hotel lobby. And uh, so we dutifully turned up and uh, um, lo and behold, when we get in there and we sit down and the guy gets up to give the talk and he says, I want to talk to you tonight out of a story in Acts chapter 17. Uh, and I want to talk about, about the story of when Paul was on Mars Hill and he encountered an altar to the unknown God. So, of course, my ears are even more pricked up now because that's exactly what I dreamed. So after the meeting, I, I went to the person who spoke and said, you know, that's interesting because I had a dream last night. In the dream last night, the guy who was preaching preached on this very subject. And I said, it was a guy with dark hair and he was very distinct because he was paralyzed all down the left side of his face. Well, he kind of stopped in his tracks and looked shocked. And um, he said, that's, that's my pastor. That's the guy who leads our church in Malaga. His name is Dan Del Vecchio. And uh, his wife's here and you should share this with his wife. So I found myself this Sunday morning after the dream on the Saturday night sharing this with, um, with Dan Del Vecchio's wife. And uh, she said, look, we have a special meeting <clears throat> on whether it was the Monday or the Tuesday, whatever. Was it the Wednesday? So we didn't have a car, so we, you know, we did our best to negotiate the train system and we hopped on a train and hence why suddenly my memory is being jogged in this journey to Salt Lake City and I'm back there 32 years ago on this train to Malaga. Uh, and I remember we had to go across a, a big waste ground area where there were drug addicts and discarded needles and it's not what you desire with all your heart for like a... Yeah, an 18-month-old little boy and, and, of course, Maggie. Of course, Lucy was a, a little girl there. But we, um, we, we turned up because his wife had said, oh, would you come and pray for him? Well, um, he was extremely underwhelmed um, at my presence. You know, I, 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 at the door, I said, look, you know, I've been, I met the wife, blah, 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 blah. So, oh, let me take you through. So... They took me through, I finished up in his office and he was just totally underwhelmed and, you know, greets this, uh, this young man that I am with the passion of, I'd, I've had this dream and it's been really accurate with where I've had loads of people pray for me and hadn't done any good. Um, just like that. Uh, so I said, well, you know, do you want me to pray for you? If you want to, it's up to you. So, you know, I, I really didn't know what to do, you know, other than say, well, you know, I'll pray for you. So I did, I prayed for him and, uh, and uh, wonderfully nothing, nothing happened in terms, of, in terms of his paralyzed face. And uh, I'm not sure there was a lot of faith in the room anyway, um, if that had been a possibility. Um, and then having prayed for him, we went back, we went into the service and, um, you know, this guy was... was was um, speaking and then she'd said don't worry please come pray for him we'll look after you everything will be fine uh, afterwards yeah we'll get you home well afterwards she and everybody who'd said that were conspicuous by their absence so we're now in Malaga miles away from where we need to be it's it, 
It's uh, getting to 11 o'clock at night. And, uh, um, you know, we're just stuck. We finished up talking to somebody and said, well, you know, pastor's wife said X, Y, and Z. Uh, reluctantly, they finished up getting us a lift to the nearest station. So we tromp up this path to the nearest station, um, which is way off the road. And we get there to find that all the trains stopped 15 minutes before. So we're now stuck in the middle of we don't know where um, with an 18-month-old and Maggie and Lucy. And, you know, we weren't as equipped for foreign travel then as we would be now. Uh, and because finished up, we wandered and finally found a taxi and managed to get ourselves back. Um, but what I want to say to you is that that, that that dream came back to me on this train. It was like I was there. It all happened again. I've never thought about that for years. Um, so that's where the train comes in. But, but um, in essence, the outcome of that revelation was that I could say my estimation was we were humiliated, dumped. Uh, maybe I wasn't supposed to pray for him. Uh, but then again, maybe all this was about being trusting and brave uh, and on nothing more than a dream. Just the willingness to actually prove a willingness to walk in a prophetic revelation wherever that revelation took that was not driven by reward or consequence other than it was only driven by obedience. And so I'm, I'm on this train about three, four weeks ago, three weeks ago, two weeks ago. <laughs> and this has happened. Now, now, this is important because in context of some of the things I want to share with you, my life has been punctuated by these kinds of incidences. Um, of dreams, of revelations, of, of, of names, of words, of understandings that, that I, I'm not here tonight to tell you about all of those things, nor, nor do I see them as ways of kind of blowing my trumpet. Look, it's just, that's how my life has gone. And, um, and, and this came alive just, just that week or so ago. Uh, all of those things that have punctuated my life, it, it seems that the main fruit... Um, always seems to be beyond and maybe because of obedience in those moments. So, so it's never seemed that the fruit was something that you get because like, well, I did this and I got that, so therefore it was fine, it was okay. In fact, those, those incidents have tended to come with struggle because if anything, they were a doorway to something and not a conclusion of anything. And some of you know, many years ago, 86, Chris and I, after a two-year process of the same kind of revelation, which was God spoke to us to go to a particular town in a particular state in the USA, told us exactly what we'd find in the church. And uh, on nothing more than that, knowing nobody and um, being known by nobody, we, uh, we took three suitcases and a three-year-old and and cleared off and um, had the amazing experience again of tremendous accuracy but a lot of it was about our faithfulness and willingness uh, and, and, and courage and boldness to act on what it was that we were told. Now, most of the fruit of that journey was not what happened then. It was what it did in our lives and what contributed to us, which, which saw its fruit afterwards in, in, in many things that God was doing with us and in other people's lives. So, so 
I think it's because in these moments there has to be an obedience. And I believe we're at another one of those punctuations where, where these incidences are happening and where this incidence is happening. And uh, I submit humbly to you, I have to go where this takes me and hopefully you'll go with me. But if you don't, I'm going anyway. So... What's also interesting is that 26th of August last year, I had a vivid dream. And in this vivid dream, just, just as vivid as the one I had about Dan Del Vecchio, <clears throat> I was at the crossroads in Nairsborough, where you go left and it takes you to Harrogate, or you go right and it takes you into the, into the Yorkshire Dales and Pateley Bridge, and uh, a place that I still find difficult to find, which is Brimham, <laughs> Brimham Rocks is part of this. Story. And in, in the dream, I was at this junction, familiar with this junction, hadn't been there for, for, I mean, goodness knows how long. But in this dream, I hear very clearly a voice say to me, now here's the deal, okay, it, it's a fork in the road. You can stay and be blessed, or you can go and be a blessing. That was all I heard. Now you can imagine the kind of questions that that, throws up in your own heart and mind, you think, is, is this, at the, this at it at the rock? Is, is there a choice got to be made here that means uh, that we have to leave? Um, but actually, you know, for any of you that are thinking, great, uh, I'm going to disappoint you. For any of you that think, oh no, I'm going to comfort you. Okay, so wherever you sit on that equation, um, I don't think that in its entirety is what it meant, but it has implications it was something about God disturbing the comfort zone and saying, stay as you are and you'll be blessed because we always have been cared for. It's miraculous how God has looked after us. Um, or go and be a blessing, which means there has to be a movement into something else and into something, something new. Now, uh, what's interesting is the number of times uh, that I have had silly struggles at and related to that junction, oh, Chris, Chris will tell you all those. It's just unreal. I mean, for crying out loud, from York to Bremen Rocks, you don't go via Harrogate, right? But the sat-nav on the first time after this dream insisted on taking us to Harrogate. And then when it got us to Harrogate, sent us around the system and brought us all the way back to the same junction in Nairsborough where we should have made the turning at first. Now, you know, I think SatNav for, stands for Satan Navigation anyway, but that's another story. But Chris will tell you the number of times that, that, that there has been conflict over that junction, sometimes because of my own desire to exert my influence on the direction that we should go that has created the same kind of problems but always means you have to come back to the same place and resolve it in the right way. So whether it's technology or whether it's my choices, we, we've just had just ridiculously silly struggles. Um, but all the struggles are due to listening to other instruction. Whether it's my own brilliant wisdom about how we should get there, which is not always brilliant wisdom. And as I said on... Uh, on Saturday, you know, wisdom is not, you know, if you think you're wise, you're probably not, you need to listen. Um, 
but always because of listening to other instruction, taking us round in circles, being taken out of the way only to come back. And in all honesty, you know, the last time we went to Brimham Rocks, I'm still struggling to get there without... And it's all because of that silly junction. Now, the reason it's because of that silly junction is because that represents a challenge to me about a fork in the road. It represents what you are going to listen to and what guidance you are going to take in respect to which road you should go. And the fact that if you do not obey the instruction coming from the right place, you might get there in a roundabout way, but it's going to be hard, it's going to be difficult, it's far better to listen and be direct. So all of these things that was just last year are kind of <coughs> accumulating together to build a story. Now, I'm going to cut straight to the quick here with, uh, with a couple of things. God began to speak to me when I was away earlier this year uh, with what I am confident is very specific instruction uh, <clears throat> and also why what was being instructed was necessary. And uh, it wasn't something that I was considering, wasn't something I was debating, wasn't something that I was trying to resolve. But I've given you these other stories to at least give you some insight into how God has worked in my life and, and how, how I hear God and what that means in me and where that then has to lead me. And uh, I heard God as clear as those dreams, as clear as anything else ever said. Um, God says you've got to change the name of the church. <clears throat> so of course the question is why? And, and as clear as day, this is the conversation in my spirit, clear as day, no kind of, I'm trying to hear. I mean, this is going on as clear as I'm talking to you right now. This is what I heard back, because you are no longer who you were. The rock was accurately named and described who you were, but you are not who you were. The rock has been what it was supposed to be, but now it needs to die with dignity. I want you to have a new name that says something about who you are and who you are becoming, not who you were and what you were. Now let me give you just a little bit of background on that. When I took over the senior leadership of this wonderful group of people 26 years ago in 1991, uh, one of the first things that God really spoke to me about was that we had to make a transition into being a new people. Um, back then we were the Assemblies of God Church York, and no problem, I'd grown up Assemblies of God. That was the only name I'd adhered to and been attached to. But of course, any of you that were around at that time will remember we had a real deep desire to, to again, it's funny, but in, 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 in a different way to today, to break, to break the chains and the mould of what we felt we were carrying through that was, that was hamstringing us in our ability to really reach people. And of course, in a changing world, even back then, some very simple things like when I would tell people I went to the Assemblies of God, the first thought was it's some kind of weird cult because they'd never heard of this thing. And, and it's a bit of a strange name, isn't it? You know, um, I wasn't ashamed of the name. I was, I was proud to have been raised in it and part of it. But it wasn't helping the journey. It wasn't helping the process of communication. And the job was not to defend a religious institution, 
but to present the cause of Christ in a way that could be accepted. And so that's when God began to speak to me about, about changing the name of the church. And in the same way, I didn't think we've got to change the name of the church. Let's have a committee and try and see if we can come up with some good names. Uh, as clear as day, I knew in my spirit what God was saying that we were to call ourselves the Rock Church. And um, that had a twofold element to it. One was that in those days we were working towards and becoming involved in what, for those of you who were here, became our Saturday Night Rock City, where we had a rock-style stage when we first got into the lights and the stage and the, you know, doing cover versions of music and all of it trying to reach people. And the reason we moved to Saturday Night was because there were so many people on the street on Saturday night in Micklegate that our desire was to make a connection with the people that we said we wanted to reach. Because I got fed up of driving in on a Sunday morning when the streets were deserted uh, and thinking, well, why are we doing We're, on, we're doing this for ourselves. We're not even at a time that makes us accessible for most people. So, um, you know, along with many other things, and we did a lot of street work at that time, you know, and we did rock on show down in the city and all kinds of things that were very relevant to who we were in our journey at that time. You know, The Rock described our style and The Rock described our theology. We very much felt that we were on Christ the Rock and he was the rock for people's lives and there was a rock in the revelation that he brought. So it was who we were and uh, I'm very proud of, of who we have been and uh, what we have accomplished through that, that vehicle and that, that modem. Um, but unless you've had your head in the sand or you've had your earphones in listening to Radio 1 or something or, or you've been asleep when you've been sat in here, you will realise that we have, <coughs> we have made a journey that has taken us in, in a, a continued direction but a slightly different direction, just like the fork in the road in the context of uh, what we've understood about grace and about the new covenant that we have in Christ. And of course that, I call it the domino effect. Uh, the moment you embrace the truth of new covenant, everything else like dominoes lined up in a row. When you touch the first one, they all start falling down. And you can either resist it or fight it or pull some dominoes out and stop it or, or you just let the thing run and... Um, in terms of belief, and um, I'm still very, I, I am a follower of Jesus, yeah. heart, soul, spirit, follower of Jesus. I'm a lover of the Abba of Jesus with all my heart, as much as I can say that that is the case, because how many of us can really say, I do that with all my heart, but as much as possible. But in terms of how I understand the gospel, in terms of how I understand God's heart towards people, in terms of who I understand God the Father now to be, in terms of how that causes us to interpret or not interpret Scripture. All of those things have changed, and, and I can't go back, because to go back, you would have the biggest fraud talking to you and leading this church you could ever imagine. I mean, I would deserve all the derision that you could possibly heap on me, because I would then be a hypocrite. So I've sought with all my heart to follow this vision, even though it's been painful and it, it's been not without cost. Um, and I've felt sometimes it's a bit like the Dan Del Vecchio thing. I'm, I'm in my heart and soul convinced this is where God is leading us and 
There's people like, well, okay, if you say so. But the same God, it's, it's funny how some people can accept, if you say God said some things, they can accept that easily. But if you say said other things, it's like, don't know about that. You know, it's usually the things that we agree with, we accept easily, the others we don't. But I, you know, again, you don't have to accept this because we are not about manipulation. But, but I just believe God spoke to me and said that, that who we were, we are not anymore. And I think anybody with any sense of reason can say we're not who we were that rock church back then so 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 the kind thing to do for the city and for us and for me is to say yeah that's true so what we need to do now is we we need to let it die with dignity um but then there's this business i want you to have a new name that says something about who you are and what you're becoming there was absolutely no faltering or flipping through mental files to come up with options, you know, like, oh, well, you know, what would be a good name? If I were to think now, what would be a good name? What's the 10 top things? Uh, nor is it my style to, I'm not a big believer in committees, although, you know, we have a leadership and we have directors. But I'm not a big believer that, particularly in spiritual things, that large groups of people come up with good decisions. It's usually the opposite. And, you know, if you want Bible illustration for that, um, two spies said, we believe God's leading us into this land called Canaan. Ten said, no, he isn't. And so the crowd believed the ten. But the ten, with all their good, goodness of heart, happened to be wrong because that's not how God tends to work and uh, another guy called uh, um, Joseph who had a coat of many colours he's the Technicolor dream coat Joseph um, his brothers tried to get rid of him when he shared what he felt was the word they said let's get rid of the dude we don't agree with that let's get rid of him now that doesn't mean that, that there isn't wisdom in counsel because there is but it seems to me that the biblical process of decision-making is, is by revelation and then it's by conversation. Not by conversation, producing revelation. That's where the problem comes. And I, I've been privileged all of my uh, leadership time here to have people around me who were willing to accommodate that, that process. So we have had counsel, we have had conversation, but that's not what determined the revelation. So I would have been worried if I heard you know, got to change the name, but then we had to somehow throw it out and falter around and flip around to find, you know, the, um, what that would be. So when, when God said this, I immediately saw in my spirit, I saw one thing, a big Q, a big capital Q, as clear as day. It could have been a neon sign in the middle of the highway. That's how clear it was, a capital Q, that was it. That was, that's what was there. And so, um, having seen that in, in my mind and spirit, I knew instantly that we were to call and relaunch ourselves as Q Church. So, um, before today, I wasn't intending to tell you that, although we'd understood it and knew it, but I just felt in my spirit that now was the time. Uh, and also to, to honour you by saying, look, you know, we, we could have done this with a big splash and a video on a Saturday, but 
Um, many of you, you, you faithfully support and help us in this process. And I wanted to give you the honour and the privilege of knowing where my heart is, because I think you're more interested, some of you, in, in the journey that takes us there than you are the details. Some are just interested in the detail. Okay, that's what we're going to do. Let's do it. But I know that many of you, most of you are interested in, in the core, in, in the detail, in how did we get there? What's God saying? So, um, so from in, within, in probably January, we're going to launch this next year. So we've got a few months to get up to it. But in January next year, we're hoping to launch ourselves as Q Church. Now, let, let me go into that a little bit. What was also interesting is when I googled Q Church, I couldn't find another Q Church anywhere in the world, anywhere on social media. Now, there are some things like Q ideas and, you know, those kind of things, but in terms of Q Church, nothing. So, of course, that was helpful because... Uh, coming at the practical issues in today's generation, which is media-driven... Um, you know, you need websites and you need all that kind of stuff. So if you can't use your name on a website, you know, you, in today's world, you're, you're pretty much messed up. But uh, because there's nobody else, cut a long story short, we've got all the domain names for, for Q Church and Q Church Network and, and all those kind of things, which were the practical issues which you start to think, well, if God is in this, there has to be a way to do this and do it well. So that's by the by, that's, that's informational, but okay, the big issue then, what, you know, Q, if we're going to be Q Church, why Q Church? What does Q Church stand for? Um, my immediate thought was, it stands for question, because the one thing that we have done predominantly um, in our journey, increasingly so over the last 10 years, has been question. We've questioned ourselves, we've questioned our faith, we've questioned who God is, we've questioned what is truth, what is the gospel, how do we believe this, how do we interpret the Bible, questions, 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 um, which I would say to you again, I think are incredibly healthy, and the last statement I make today will, will validate that. Um, but in thinking that, I could make sense of that, but but um, in talking to Chris and the leaders, it became clear, and this is where then we bring the revelation, and then we have conversation. Um, it became very clear, which just absolutely exploded in my spirit, that Q stands for quest, rather than question. That what God is saying to us is, you are a people with a quest, you are a people on a quest, now, many of you know, quest is searching for something. It's looking for something. It's pilgrimage. It's discipleship. We have not arrived. We are journeying. The danger of not being on a quest is that you become Pharisees and teachers of the law and Sadducees, and then you'll crucify the very Jesus who you said you were waiting for. But people on a quest don't do that. You know, it's interesting, book of Hebrews, what it says about all the men of faith, it says they were looking for a city whose maker and builder was God. They were on a quest, looking for something that they could not see with the natural eye, but the knew as sure as heck that it was out there. 
and that their job was not to imagine it to the extent where they could then explain it and describe it. Their job was to, to, to by every way possible, by all inventive means, to stay on the quest because you know that that city whose maker and builder is God is out there. So I think quest is a wonderful principle and that's what the Q in our Q church and everything else will stand for. Um, what's also interesting is that, uh, and I, I understood this after by a little bit of research, that when you put an I-O-N on the back of a word, it, it, it's what's called in language a suffix, okay? It's a suffix. In other words, it's not the word, it's an add-on to the word. You take the I-O-N and you add it to the word. So in essence, question is, is not something that we would call ourselves because you can't call yourself question because question is not something you call yourself because when you put the ION on the word here's what it, here's what you'll get in the dictionary ION appearing in words of Latin origin denoting action or condition used in Latin and in English to form nouns from stems of Latin adjectives like commune becomes communion You've got union from oneness, uni, one, becomes union. You've got legion, opinion, illusion, creation, fusion, notion, torsion. All these things, the ION added onto it is the action of. So a question is the action of a quest. So people are on a quest, the action of that will always be to question. And that's where we are really as a people. That's what I believe that we have become. I believe it's what part of our role is. I believe it's how we serve the wider body of Christ. And I really love this. Now, it's very usable. You know, we will probably start out. And we haven't even, you know, we had a conversation about this. We haven't even got the font that we fully decided for the queue. We haven't got the artwork decided um, and in some ways I could have said, well, no, we'll just do a big thing. You know, we'll have the big trumpets and the lights and the flash and here we go. And we might yet do that. Um, but the point is, we are on the quest now. We, we are this people now. We are catching up with something. We, we're not, we're not, it's not that we've got to start this and it happened. We are this and we are now changing our name to describe who we are becoming and who we are not who we have been which is why we have to change because we are not the rock anymore we are Q we are we are Q church we're on a quest so the other interesting thing about that is that um, you have some lovely little adaptable quirks in that call to action which which would you believe that the the web domain and the name Q York has not been taken by anybody. I love it. We can even do a song to that. And if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere because this is Q York. It's also fascinating that, that I, I just dropped the idea of this to some of the people that I minister to and, and share life with, like Rob Cunningham in Wagga. The immediate response was, I'm in. Can we use the name? Can we use that same name? Can we launch when you launch? We're going downtown. We want to be in. We want part of this action. This is God. We want in. So um, the reason I mentioned that is that if you remember going back to the Nesborough thing, 
uh, you can stay and be blessed or you can go and be a blessing. The question is, is it one or the other? Is it either or? Or is it each and? Is it that part of this cue is that you stay and you're blessed, so, so there is a role here, still to push forward, still to push in. But there's also part of this which is already being embraced by other people, which is you can go and be a blessing. So there are aspects of this that I think are going to change a little bit of our demographic, a little bit of our practice, and I don't know how all that looks, and I don't know how we're going to work all that out, but, but we have to. So we will be changing in the new year to Q Church. I hope you're excited about that. I hope you understand the spirit of that. I hope you'll get hold of that. And I, and I hope in some ways that what it will do is it will cut off some things that we feel obliged to so that we can go full steam ahead. Um, what I can guarantee you is you'll get the same great or greater service in every area. But there will be some change. Okay, So... I've often said to people, you know, if, if you're expecting somehow it's unrecognisable, that's really dumb. Uh, you know, if a pub has a makeover, it's still a pub. You know, if you put new stands in a football stadium, it's still a football stadium. You know, if you build an auditorium, it's still an auditorium for performers. So there's aspects of this we have to understand. You know, if you're suddenly thinking everything will be different, that's really dumb because everything shouldn't be different and doesn't need to be different. But what does need to happen is we need to free ourselves to say, let this be an opportunity for creativity and inventiveness and, and, and application and thought and participation to take this. We can take this in any directions we wish within the covering of we are on a quest and we know what that quest is. That quest is the truth of the fullness of the gospel, the good news of the beautiful gospel. You can be as creative as you wish. We have a blank canvas, so if you want to paint on the canvas, if you want to contribute a verse to the poem, then you need to do it, okay? You need to do it for the sake of who we are and for the sake of our world. So that's, that's as much as I'm going to say about Q Church for now. Um, so let me move on. Kev Craven, okay? Our, our Kev is a... He's, he's a brilliant artist, um, and, and um, he, he has, he, he wouldn't claim to have this, but he has a very clear prophetic edge, which, interesting for Chris and I, again, why, when people join people together, it's interesting because, um, uh, you know, it, it may not be something that you have, but Kev, at significant points in our lives, has just said the most remarkable things in a very simple way, uh, but very clear, and, um, you know, have been evidenced to be accurate in the same way that I talked about Dan Del Vecchio on the paralyzed face, or just as accurate, but just very simple. So I'm not trying to embarrass you, Kev. Love you behind the camera there. But it is right to honour and it is right to recognise. And um, so I appreciate it, Kev. Chris and I are eternally grateful for your obedience, sincerely. So last August 2016, when Chris and I were about to embark on what for us was a spiritual pilgrimage, remember we went 
did the journey back through Scotts Bluff where we were. It was all arranged within a week and a half. I'm just out on the patio sat in the sun and I hear God speak to me and say, you've got to go on a pilgrimage. It took us around the journey of where we had been in 86 in Scotts Bluff, Nebraska. We followed the Mormon Trail all the way through, went all the way through to, to Salt Lake City, not realising um, in 1986, 31 years ago, that there was a connection between Scotts Bluff and Salt Lake City. Uh, we didn't realise that where we would always spend our free time, which was up on the bluff, the mountain overlooking the, the town of Scotts Bluff, that the only two towns that were named on there were Scotts Bluff and Salt Lake City, which is Salt Lake City several hundred miles off to the, to the west. Um, and of course, it didn't mean anything at the time. But that was the place where, the, where trails met. It was the place where... It was like the fork in the road for me in Nesborough. It was like this was a significant place and all of a sudden we're now reading things through a different eye because we see there is a connection with, with Scott's Bluff and Salt Lake City and we felt in our hearts that Salt Lake City was part of what this house is about as well and that, you know, if you think about the religious situation, you could potentially understand why that might be somewhere where God would want us to have a piece of the action. So... But when we did that journey, Kev, um, Kev brought a word and he, he talked to us about how there was somebody called Carl that he felt would be significant on this journey. But it was not Carl with a C, it was Carl with a K. And, uh, you know, we had another few bits thrown in, Beth here and one or two, and we finished up, we finished up with this picture of Carl and tattoos. <laughs> And then in a remarkable way, Chris was up one night Googling and looking for stuff, and she'll tell you the story, but, but we suddenly come across Carl, who's a tattoo artist, uh, who, who had a tattoo shop called Zion Tattoo, and Zion Tattoos were on a, the, the location was on S Bluff Road. Now bear in mind, we've just come from Scott's Bluff. We've had a connection between Scotts Bluff and Salt Lake City. We've got Carl with the K, who's a tattoo artist, who has Zion Tattoos, which is the mountain of God, and the shop is on S Bluff Road. I mean, you know, there just might be some connection there. The problem was, then we, we got hold of, I, I managed to contact Carl on Facebook, and Carl's not in Salt Lake City anymore. He, he used to be down in Salt Lake City and he'd been at some competitions in Salt Lake City but now he wasn't he was he was over near the um, near the um, Nevada border in in a Utah town called St. George which I also found fascinating when you think that St. George is the patron saint of England and we're English in Salt Lake City with Carl with the K who's got Zion tattoos and he is a tattoo artist like it said, and he's on Espluff Road, and all of these things were just crazy. Anyway, uh, you know, um, I, I'm wary of randomers, you know, random people who suddenly contact you, especially when they start saying crazy things like, this might sound strange, but, um, which is how I started with him, this might sound strange, but... Uh, you know, we feel we're on a bit of a pilgrimage, and I laid it out. He got back to me within seconds... 
and uh, said, no, this is great, it's wonderful. Um, he said, I'm, I'm a believer. Um, I'm part of the, um, what's the thing of Christian art, tattoo artists? Yeah, the Alliance of Christian Tattoo Artists. And he said, uh, but I live in St. George, Utah, but he said, you really ought to meet my pastor. So who's your pastor? So he put us on to Matt... Um, Roberts, who is the pastor of, of um, uh, Genesis Project in Ogden, which is about 30 miles north. Now, what's interesting is Matt's journey had been one where he'd been in prison, he found Jesus in prison, not the Jesus who you find and born again for the parole officers to see if he can get out, but he really genuinely, he genuinely found Jesus and he came out, became a youth pastor, then left the church and uh, it intrigued us. The reason he left the church, he said, because I couldn't find the Jesus that I met in prison. Now, what was also fascinating was he was, he was a youth pastor in the Assemblies of God churches, which I was familiar with. He said, I couldn't find the Jesus that I met in prison. So here's another one, a little obscure, like us, a little strange, pulled out, starts questioning some things, and now he has a fantastic church in, in Ogden. Now, of course, we made friends with him and with one of his guys, Paul Widmark, and uh, they have been a doorway, um, you know, to us being in there and some things that are, are developing and understanding. But the reason I'm telling you that is, is, is to tell you how what Kev shared was so accurate and took us on that journey. Now, so that was last August. 29th of September this year, which is not long ago, um, I was in a hotel room in Salt Lake City having to make uh, a pretty important decision and uh, suddenly along comes a WhatsApp from Mr. Kevin Craven himself. Um, and here's what it says. I think we need to talk Bayabab again. Do you remember? <laughs> well, answer, I'm a man, I'm not Chris. Do you remember? I don't remember. <laughs> Well, when did we, we, we've talked about this before? I, I, of course, Chris is straight away. I remember she can, you know, she's recalling it all like that. But I'm like, you know, but that was, that was the message. I think we need to talk Baobab again, right? Um, but here's how that gets fascinating. You think, well, what's all that about? Well, um, we just had encounters with this tree, uh, at Disney's Animal Kingdom two weeks before, of which I was utterly fascinated on a safari ride in Animal Kingdom to see these weird-looking trees and intrigued as to what these trees were, to be informed these are baobab trees and these are, you mostly find them in Africa and blah, 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 blah. Uh, and uh, Kev, Kev suddenly comes, boom, he comes up with that. And I mean, there are other aspects of that in the context of... Baobabs, which I'll tell you in a minute. Um, so let me show you some pictures of baobab trees because this, this is significant. This, this does connect to the story of Q, okay? This is, um, this is not a random, I'm not off on a rabbit trail. This does connect. So let me show you five pictures of the baobab tree. See, it's, it's a tree of mysteries and legends. Look how strange it is, and I'll explain why it's that strange in a minute. You put another one up, Danny. 
What, what, what is it that you notice about this tree? How about it looks as though the roots are on the top? Okay, let me show you another one. See, it's kind of an upside down tree, which I'm going to explain. Okay, just, just show another one. I think this, Kev sent this one, I think it says wonderful. Have you noticed how that looks like a queue? <laughs> it's a baobab tree. Is that the last one of those five, Dan? Okay. Oh, one more. Yeah, that's how weird they are, look. I mean, so we have a connection with the baobab tree. <laughs> so here's the deal. When we, start, when, when we then started to discover facts about the baobab, from what Kevin triggered, um, what we realised was that they line up a perfect description of what seems to have happened to us and what we look like to others and who we are becoming. You see, the baobab is often referred to as the upside down tree because its branches resemble roots sticking up. Many believe that it was turned upside down by God and, uh, and, 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 and that's why it depends on the legend that you read. Okay, so, so there are legends around this um, because it was said that God took this tree and he turned it upside down, he stuck it in upside down so that its roots were visible at the top. Now, may, may I propose to you that, that the whole thing of the Baobab is that God has taken this tree, he's pulled it out of its safe ground and stuck it in upside down so that what we see and what people see actually looks more like roots than anything else. And that what our key element is in the quest that we have been on is that we're not masking anything or hiding anything. It's our roots that are the visible bit. Our roots are on the top. It's the roots that people see. It's the experiences, the challenges honestly faced, the questions honestly dealt with. The roots are there for everybody to see, to become connected to the roots, which are out on the surface, not under the surface. Nothing hidden. That's who we are. And so you can see how this begins to describe. Now, if you want to know how I have felt for 10 years, I've felt as though I've been ripped out of the ground and stuffed in upside down. That's what it's felt like. And I still feel upside down. But I know it's for a purpose because this is part of our prophetic journey. The other interesting thing is, um, uh, yes, yeah, so it's plucked up from the ground. It literally looks as though it's been pulled up from the ground and replanted or thrust back upside down. So it looks like its roots are visible and showing. Now, here's the interesting thing. It's known as the tree of life. That's what it's known as, the tree of life. Which is fascinating because the thing that caught our attention most when we were in Disney's Animal Kingdom was that in the center what dominates it is one of these big baobab trees and it's called the Tree of Life. And we were captured by that literally just two weeks before Kev came up with his prophecy who didn't know about what it was that we were into. Now what's also interesting is it does have fruit and its fruit is considered a superfood. It's the latest superfood that is, is, is on. It's, it, this is it. This is the superfood. It's trending. 
Now, here's what's interesting, because I think this also describes us, because we're a bit strange in terms of common narrative and conventional view. The flowers of the baobab bloom at night. Not during the day, it blooms at night. These big five-petaled flowers bloom at night, and they're pollinated by bats. Now, I mean, how much more weird can you get than this? But in that surreal process of flowering and pollinating that on the outward you would say, that's just wrong, we have, we have what is believed now to be one of the greatest superfoods that have ever been discovered or invented with six times the amount of, of, of um, vitamin C, six times the amount of antioxidants of, of blueberries. I mean, just fascinating when you begin to read it. It's also interesting that the baobab name is derived from Arabic and it means the father of many seeds. Hence the reason I said to you, it's not an either or, stay and be blessed or go and be a blessing. It's about being a baobab, which is the father of many seeds. It's not just about a focus of us here, it's about our seeding, being a father of many seeds, that what we have discovered, what God is doing in our lives, that that becomes the seeds for others to grow. In Cameroon, <coughs> it's known as the symbol of strength, power, grace, and presence. I'll settle for that. But I read this as well, I, I, let me just read you what I pulled in. The, the tree functions like a large giant succulent with a huge trunk that can store up to 120,000 litres of water depending on the size. Generally, a trunk consists of 80% water making it very suitable to survive a very long dry season. And I think we have been doing that. The trunk of the baobab tree does not have rings like other trees have. So again, it's completely different. You know, all the rules that you want to apply don't apply here. But it's a real tree and it has real fruit and it's a real blessing and it really functions, but it doesn't look like anything else or work like anything else. It doesn't have rings like other trees, so it nearly, it's nearly impossible to define the age. We'll go with that. Uh, one can say that the trees can grow very old with an estimation of 1,000 to 3,000 years for the age of the tree. Now, that means this thing, although it looks weird, has tremendous longevity. This goes from generation to generation. It's not a flash in the pan, it's not a star in the night, it's not just, oh, this came up within the culture and it was wonderful. This is generational. This goes from generation to generation. And it has all that water in it so that it can survive and give water to others. Everything about it is different, upside down, yet everything about it is life-giving. I believe that's the essence of Kev's prophecy when he says, we need to think about the baobab. Why? Because everything about it is different, upside down, yet everything about it is life-giving. Kev didn't know a single thing, A, about what we were doing in the context of changing the name of the church, and B, didn't know the other things that connect to that in the context of our explorations 
and some of the things that particularly were happening in, in Salt Lake at that time that needed decisions. <clears throat> so I'm, 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 I'm tying this to the events that I described at the beginning of, of this talk. Um, the very first legend that I read about this tree, because there's a lot of legends about how it finished up, how it was. I can't even find this legend, but it was the first one I read. So I think that might have been God directing me, because I could not find this. But the first thing that I read was this. The first legend I read was that God wanted the baobab to move, and it refused. So God pulled it up and stuck it in the ground upside down. And I'm thinking... Is that God kind of saying in a very clear way, the baobab refused to move. So you need to learn from the baobab, don't refuse to move, be willing. So I believe that in all of this, there is a pressure towards movement and change, which is what we're trying to respond to. So one last picture. I'm in Salt Lake City. Uh, I'm in a hotel in Murray, which is part of Greater Salt Lake City, but it's like little townships like Acom and things get swallowed into York. Uh, when I say little, you know, it's, it's 11 miles from downtown, but of course that's America. So, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm here and I'm on, I'm on the sixth floor with windows looking towards the, towards the city and it's the middle of the night and I can't sleep. I'm looking out the window and I can see two things dominating the night. One is the Utah State Capitol, that's Capitol with an, with an O, which is their name for the government building, the state government building, it's called the Capitol. I can see that 11 miles away, top of Capitol Hill in downtown Salt Lake. Then the only thing that I can see, um, lit up, the other distinguished landmark in, in, in the darkness is, is a tower with a blue light on the top. And I'm intrigued by this. I mean, I'm just, it, it's niggling me. Why can I see these two things? So four o'clock in the morning, I can't sleep. So I'm, I'm up and it's like, I'm in the car. I, I've got to, you know, I've got to settle this. So I, I drive down what is State Street that runs all the way down to what I can see. And um, I find that this other landmark that I can see is, is called Artesian Springs Tower. Now I knew it was called that because in big neon letters lit up on it, it says Artesian Springs Tower, which is very helpful because if you're looking for something, you want to find out what it is. If it's got its name on, very helpful. So um, I've passed this thing before, but not even, not even noticed it. But of course, here in the night, this is dominating the, the night scene. Now, there's a bigger story connected to that, which I'll talk to you about some other time. Um, but I told you before, we, when we were looking about some things in, in Salt Lake, how I'd put this random address in the, in the, in the Satan navigation that worked for me. Jesus was in control that day. Um, which was 4200 Main Street in Murray. And that brought me to the place where we saw the big sign that said, live here, which again, you've got to put that in the context of the crossroads in, in, um, in Daresborough. But of course, it's one of those things that's pulling you on. You know God is saying something. 
and lo and behold, when I, when I look up this location of this tower, uh, its location is 4200 south, which is the same block. So it's the same random number that I put in a year before when I was up in Ogden. It's the same random number. This tower is right at the center of that 4200 block where I was so clearly led again. Now, this, this is what's intriguing about that. Um, because this thing caught my attention so visibly because it's another description of our purpose and calling which when added to the things we've said about the baobab form what I believe to be God's push to say goodbye and thank you to the rock and hello to Q. Yeah. So let me read you what popped up when I looked up Artesian Springs Tower. It's an old advertisement for a dry cleaning facility between State and Main Street in Murray, Salt Lake City, at about 4200 South. So formerly this was a dry cleaning place, where you take your dirty laundry and you get it sorted. But it got even more interesting. The company responsible for this project, project has spent hundreds of thousands of dollars preparing the site environmentally. Listen to this. The old dry cleaning plant left behind toxic chemicals that had to be removed from the soil. What has been for many years a neglected, polluted 200-acre site is about to get a $51 million makeover. Now, I don't think we're going to throw $51 million at at a project. But I do know that the essence and the root of our journey is about dealing with toxic chemicals that have left behind in the soil by how that soil has previously been used. And believe me, there is enough toxic chemical left behind by religious processes to keep us busy for the next 50 years in getting them out of the soil and bringing life to a new site so it gets a makeover. And I think in, in the terms of Salt Lake City, there's a lot of toxic religion that's right there. But you see, everything that's pointing is saying, you've got to go for this. You've got to do this. You've got to understand this as part of the whole thing of the role that we are in, that we're trying to deal with the toxic chemicals. And we're trying to be who we're supposed to be, like an artesian springs tower. So finally, I've said enough. Let me show you an ancient African proverb describing the baobab. And I didn't know this on Saturday. I had no idea of this on Saturday. Wisdom is like a baobab tree. So we talked on, on Saturday about the wisdom of wisdom. Well, here you go. Wisdom is like a baobab tree. There is something for us as a people, if we can grasp it with the baobab tree that Kef prophesied and drew our attention to, there is a wisdom in this baobab tree. But here's the deal. No one individual can embrace it. The baobab grows so wide that if that is wisdom, no one individual can embrace it. You can't have a fixed position in your personal understanding and belief and expect to embrace the wisdom that comes from what God is showing us, okay? 
No one individual can embrace this. That's been part of our journey. That's been part of the dismantling of some of the things that I think have damaged us more than helped us. And if we can understand what God is saying to us through this process, and we can link our hands together, we can embrace the wisdom that is being given to us so that we can be the tree of life. So, last thing, as far as the spirit of Q Church goes, get this statement. I'd rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. That's the spirit of Q. I would rather have questions that can't be answered than answers that can't be questioned. That is the spirit of Q, Q Church, Q Church Network, Q York, all the Qs that you can... And we English people know how to do a good queue, so I know that we're already pre-programmed and equipped. Nobody can queue like the British. But we're going to queue in a different way. And in doing that, it's got to be that way of obedience. All of this linking together, it's not, it's not the thoughts or the processes of a few minutes of reading or research or investigation or prayer. This, this is part of a lifetime of journeying. It's part of decades, not, not moments, not months, not years. This is part of decades. And just like Abraham felt that he had to go and pitch his tent in a land that was not yet his, we are pitching our tent in land and space that may not yet be ours, but we're doing it because we believe. So uh, there you go. I hope awesome. I hope that your heart will connect with it. I hope you can go with us. We will, we will seek to unfold um, detail on this as we go along over the next few months. And, uh, and then by, we're hoping by the middle of January um, that we will be able to, to launch. And, uh, and that will be it. That will be, that will be, the, be the embracing, I was going to say the beginning of a new journey, but it won't. It will be the embracing of the journey that we have committed ourselves to and now putting to that journey what is necessary to allow us to understand this is different. So I, I also, again, just... just Jenny, can I just yeah. Um, Joanne. No, no, no. It's just a quick... Use it. To me, yeah. well, you can do it with that. Okay. Uh, Might as well oh, make it, it? Um, I was just going to say, it, it is an absolute privilege that, you, that you've shared it with us. And, and as you said, it was just uh, something that you felt you weren't going to do uh, about the, the sort of the brand name change. And, and then you felt this morning that, that you would with this core group of people. Um, I was just wanted to clarify with you and just check my understanding, really, that um, the fact that you shared it is wonderful but it is still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. And as such, I guess some respect around that and, uh, uh, and, and some faithfulness towards you in terms of let's just keep a bit of a lid on it to, to, for the time being, just while it's outworked a little bit more logistically in your spirit and, and some of the detail. Yeah, is that right? I appreciate that, Jenny. Yeah, that is absolutely true. What, what I felt to do tonight, you know, which is why, you know, I had to quickly shoot around the leaders and the directors to say, look, it's very short notice, guys, but this is what I'd like to do. I, I just felt that I wanted to have you guys on board with where we are now um, so that you felt you're part of this process. But like Jenny says, it is a working process. 
Uh, and like I said earlier, we could have waited and said, you know, very, very administratively, oh, this, this, and this, bang, bang, boom, boom, boom. But one thing this is not, it, it's not an administrative decision to try and do something different. This is, a, this is a, a, a genuine attempt to embrace a spiritual journey that we believe that we are on. So, you know, if you'd have asked Abraham when he's, when he's set foot into the land of Canaan, what's all this about? What does it look like? He couldn't tell you. He could just tell you what he knew at the time. And all I can tell you is what I know at the time. And this much I know, okay? So in essence, to some degree, apart from some detail and some other wonderful prophetic things that we would share with you, but they're not for tonight, you pretty much know as much as we know, okay? Uh, but I also understand that the expectation is not on you to clarify this. The expectation is on me and others in leadership to, to clarify what we believe now the steps are that put that together and lead us forward. My hope is that you'll just embrace this and we can go do this together. Um, and we can, uh, you know, we can make the difference that we know that we can be to others, understanding that that's what we are. We're an upside down tree, right? We flower at night. We're pollinated by bats. But we're, a, but we're a tree of life. We're a tree of life. And there's wisdom. There's wisdom in this revelation, but not any single one of us can do it independently. Yeah? So I'm, I'm not going to put it out for questions because then you'll be asking questions about things that I probably can't answer because we've, that's where we are the journey. All I want you to do is rejoice. Let it sit in your spirit. If you want to talk to me, Chris, Jenny, any of the guys personally at any time and say, I've been thinking, I've had a question, do you think you can answer this? Please feel free to do so. You know, we're more than happy to engage because this is a, a wonderful journey. And, and very often, uh, conversation helps to clarify things that sometimes we kind of think in here and somebody asks a question, you have a conversation and then you suddenly think, I know what it is that I knew, but I didn't know how to explain it, but now I know. So please don't be afraid to come and, uh, you know, just have a conversation, ask some questions uh, privately, and we'll do our best to help you. So I bless you, I honour you, and uh, I pray that together we will, we will experience um, that wonderful thing where your latter will be greater than your past, in that wonderful blessing, because all things are possible. And uh, uh, this is going to be a great era for us as people and for those who join us in the journey. So thanks for being here and be blessed and we're done. Do you get anything? I think they're this time. Yeah, I think, I, think, <laughs> I think one of the things Chris was just saying, let, let me translate into English some of the things that Jenny's saying. Uh, you know... <laughs> She'll be a translator. She was being too lovely. She was being lovely. Well, I, th I think what we mean is, don't go plastering this all over social media uh, and putting your own spin and ideas on, on what, you, what, you think, what you think it means and what you think I meant to say if I'd have said it clearer, uh, but you've interpreted it. This, this really is, again, and, and, and I took a risk tonight, but, it, but the reason was it, it, I did it because of honour, because I honour you, because you guys are with us. And I wanted to honour you. So I want you just, you don't have to not talk to anybody about it because obviously it'll be going out, it'll be all over the place. But just don't speculate about it. You know, we don't, we just, you can own it.
but you can't describe it yet, so you can just own it. The answer to the question is yes, we're changing the name of the church. What does that look like? It looks like a baobab tree. What's one of those? Go and Google it. Yeah? You got an answer. All right, so thanks. I appreciate it. Bless you. Thanks for listening. You might not be aware that The Rock is funded completely through donations from people like yourself. So if you feel like you're part of our community, it would be great if you could make a contribution by visiting our website at www.rockofyork.co.uk and just click on the donate button for more information. Thanks again. Thanks again.